Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. Today I speak with Derek Dysart, and I think the interview with Derek is super interesting because, in a way, he arrived at a specialization the exact opposite way a lot of people do. So I give, on you know, intentionally, on purpose, I give a lot of airtime on this show to the the difficulty, the challenge, and how people overcome that challenge of deciding how to specialize. I really do believe that for a lot of folks, it is this sort of gut-wrenching decision uh, because for most, it looks like a high-stakes, low-data decision. And those are always just the hardest ones to make, where you feel like stakes are high, you don't know enough, and you know, just put anybody in that situation for the first time, and they're, they're probably going to uh, feel some stress as a result of that situation. And, you know, for a lot of folks, that's really how the specialization decision looks, but uh, not everybody. <laughs> and Derek is a great example of someone who has found a great specialization, and it's working really well for him. It's opened up opportunities for uh, retainer work, you know, really, really profitable work. But how he arrived there was not a gut-wrenching struggle at all. It was just doing what he'd, what he'd always done. Um, just on his own and building that up. So I want you to hear the story just, A, so you know that not every uh, decision about how to specialize is a gut-wrenching, stressful decision, and B, so that you can see that there's lots of ways that people arrive at this point of having a really clear specialization, and uh, Derek's is a great example of one of those ways. Enjoy. Hey, look at that. We're recording. Derek, <laughs> glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So, Derek, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Derek Dysart. I am a independent software developer uh, that specializes on an enterprise content management system called Sitecore. Uh, it's, um, it's based on the .NET platforms and the Microsoft.NET platform and is, is typically kind of runs in the really large brand space. It competes, you know, they're probably their closest competitor is Adobe Experience Manager. Um, it's licensing cost is, is measured in six to seven figures. Uh, it's, uh, it's not a inexpensive platform as, as things go, but it's, um, it's kind of been where I'm, I, I've been working with the platform for uh, probably eight years now, three of those on my own. For folks who don't have any visibility into this world where when they think CMS, they think WordPress, right. what, are, right. what, are, what are the key differences between something like WordPress or Umbraco in the .NET world and, site, and Sitecore? Yeah, sure. So Sitecore, um, you know, they they pitch themselves as a kind of a marketing platform. So there's, um, it, it's kind of grown organically. They built out. It's got an email campaign manager uh, portion to it. It's got, um, it does uh, quite a bit of marketing automation. So uh, where a larger enterprise might go with a product from uh, a company like Marketo or something like that. A lot of that is kind of built into the content management system. So, and, and quite honestly, they have kind of three different portions of it. Content management is uh, is one portion and kind of the analytics processing and doing personalization is another. Um, so being able to, to, you know, kind of really deep dive personalization based on user interactions, based on historical analytic data. Uh, and then finally, they, uh, they also have a commerce piece that they've been slowly rolling out. That's, uh, again, kind of targeted at high end, um, okay. kind of high end e-commerce. 
Okay, so it sounds closer perhaps to an enterprise version of HubSpot maybe than anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm not as familiar with kind of the, you know, and we can kind of get into how I got onto this platform, but I I really only know it mainly from kind of the main competitors, you know, where they get ranked in Gartner and all that. And it's, um, um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely very similar. Um, It's marketed as kind of a one-stop shop for, Mm -hmm. for, you know, um, global brand um, digital marketers to, to, um, kind of have a, you know a one one view of the customer and the other part that they've recently introduced is now you can feed analytics from non websites into it so you can have point of sale systems you can have CRM systems feeding analytic data into a customer record and then you know be able to personalize the website based on you know offline interactions um, you know they just re- released a, a large package on that so that's um it, it, it's very it, it's very inclusive in what it does so comparing it to WordPress is just you know, WordPress is a great uh, you know it's a great CMS and it, and it serves its purpose at, at, at its price point but you know larger brands that want to do that level of personalization um, kind of quickly you, you quickly end up bolting on tons and tons of different plugins to, pl- tons and tons of different plugins yeah. for WordPress in order to make that work can you give an example of just a few sort of household name brands that might use a product like Sitecore? Yeah, yeah. So Sitecore, uh, I think they're big marquee clients. They talk about L'Oreal. Um, they talk about um, Nestle. Hmm. Uh, so globally, you know, in the in the U.S., you have larger larger brands like GE Healthcare. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of lar- uh, Carnival Cruise Lines is another one they always talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, Stanley Black and Decker, uh, which is a you know an overarching brand for a, a bunch of different tool brands. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head. But yeah, it, it, it's kind of larger global brands such as that. I believe Honda and you know Honda America. It's it's you know the Honda site, the Acura site, Honda owners, and all that. That's all that's all running on Sitecore as well. Okay, cool. So um, let's. Uh, I, in a, in a Slack chat room that we're both members of, I sort of caught a, uh, a glimpse of what your life must be like, your, your work life, you know, as, as a, somebody who specialized in Sitecore. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and uh, I'm just kind of hoping you'll sort of uh, share what that is. Like, how do you make money? You know, what kind of consulting work do you do? That sort of thing. You don't have to share numbers, but sure, uh, sure. just kind of get a sense of what your business is like. Yeah, it's it's definitely been evolving over the past couple of years. Um, you know, I, I started out. Um, you know, if I go way way back, um, I worked I worked for Microsoft and in their services organization, kind of right right in the early early you know two thousands. Doing, you know, doing a, you know, it was part of the .NET platform when it was released. Um, worked a lot with and Microsoft and customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and did, did you work of, for MCS? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you. yeah, I did. I, okay. I was in MCS for part of that time, and then it was mm-hmm. part of Premier Support. Okay. Um, Premier Support was more kind of a, a an account manager type. Um, definitely had you know a lot of technical uh, responsibilities. Uh, quickly moved into the web world, and you know, kind of always had this like I wanted to be a freelancer. I wanted that freedom. Um, and ultimately, um, I left Microsoft, um, mainly just, there's a multitude of reasons. It was a great company to work for, but it it just didn't fit, you know, it didn't, didn't fit in my life at the time Mm -hmm. and worked for a small, a smaller organization, uh, in the locality here and ultimately got laid off from there during the Mm -hmm. downturn. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one of their their larger customer, that one of their largest customers was AIG, which obviously fared ah. <laughs> very well during the downturn. Um, and so I kind of was like, hey, now's a perfect time to go freelancing. And I had really no idea how to value myself at all. Yeah. Um, and kind of bounced around really kind of, uh, I would say, you know, I think the, the, the kind way to put it is very unprofitable work. Yeah. And ultimately landed, uh, a friend of mine was working at a digital agency in town and they had a need for someone with .NET experience. And, you know, they were using this new thing to them called Sitecore. So I came on board um, and was ecstatic at the time to be, you know, to be billing out at like 60 bucks an hour. I was like, wow, I've, I've made it. Now. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, and they ultimately, you know, I, I worked on that project um, we, we launched that site and they really wanted me to stay on as a full-time resource, made me an offer that, you know, on paper, I was like, oh, that's kind of a pay cut, but I really like, I like the clientele that they're working with. Um, you know, I want to stay with it. Um, so I, I took that position and then I kind of moved up in management there, um, had a few developers working and, and, and kind of saw what we were paying other freelancers and realized at the time, like, wow, I was, they were really getting a good deal. Out of <laughs> nice. Um, but at the time, it like built up this Sitecore expertise of kind of like that was all the projects that we were doing. It was it was building out these these websites for various you know, various customers of that agency, um, and then kind of you know it, it came to a point where. Uh, I, I could have moved into upper management there, kind of interviewed for it, kind of got, got passed over for someone else. Um, that happened a couple times and I realized like, ah, it's, you know, it's time to find something new. And I had a bunch of other people that were like, you should really go out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, I'm getting hounded by recruiters. Um, you know, if you, for, for a while, and I, it's not as much now, but I know for a long time, if you had the word Sitecore on your LinkedIn profile, you were guaranteed, I, I, and I'm not exaggerating, I think in a two-week span, I had probably 24 recruiters hit me oh, up wow. for, for various positions, and they were obvious. You know, you get some positions, you can tell, I guess, the same position, they just kind of farmed it out to a bunch of contract recruiters, but this right. was, um, you know, I, I knew there was a market out there, there was a, a massive demand for kind of the people that understood this platform. Um, Sitecore was kind of taking off uh, from a sales standpoint, and so, it, it, can, can, can I interrupt you right there, Derek? Yeah. What what time frame are we talking about here? This was probably about four years ago now. So okay. that would be you know 2012. I'm bad at math. 2014. Um, so you know, and then in the meantime, I had people being like, "You should really go on your own." Yeah. And ultimately, um, ultimately, you know, I, I had a, a few people that were like, you know, you can find the work, just find, you know, find something. And I'll, my, my first gig leaving that full-time position as a contractor was what I would like to call it. I was a subcontractor. So I was a 1099 position for another, what you mm-hmm. potentially call a competing agency uh, and did a fair amount of work like that where, you know, I was, you, you're not getting, you know, I know that they're turning around and marking my rate up and I, I guess I was okay with that. Sure. Um, but in the same sense that I, so I, I probably spent a good year doing subcontract work for other digital agencies. And, and Sitecore has its, what, what they call a partner. Um, it's kind of an ecosystem of partners of various different, I wouldn't call them digital agencies or like digital consultancies that specialize in that platform. So there's, there's several of them um, worldwide. I worked for several of them in the North America uh, area and did, um, you know, did a fair amount of work that way. Um, the, the thing that really, I had a hard time with that is, you know, I, 
in hindsight, you know, it's, you know, you can kind of say, yeah, you're not getting a good rate because somebody else is mm-hmm. marking that up. But it was the, the thing I honestly missed was kind of the direct customer mm-hmm. uh, interaction. I mean, somebody else owned that customer relationship. Right. And I had several where they were like, wow, this, you know, they, they were really, they, they knew I, I wasn't kind of a, just a, a technical person. I could interface with customers. I could, I could talk to them and talk to them on a level that, you know, maybe they're not, uh, you have a digital marketer or a head of marketing or even chief marketing officer that's trying to understand this from a business standpoint. And they don't really care about the various libraries and all that that you're using. Um, and so slowly I, I started transitioning to, I had people reaching out to me again through LinkedIn, but instead of recruiters, these were, these were people that were in marketing departments at, at places that were actually using Sitecore as well of like, hey, we're looking for an independent Sitecore person. You know, we're, we're tired of working with these big agencies or we don't have a huge need where we need a, a, like an army of, of, of 20 developers. We really just need someone we can call for maintenance and stuff like that. So that's kind of where my business my business started as kind of subcontracting and slowly over over the course of probably I'd say that you know subcontracting was like the first year this the second year was predominantly um you know I would say 50-50 between maintenance and um you know kind of doing I I I end up being kind of the IT department for a marketing organization, you know, they don't have any developers on staff, but they need small tweaks to their, you know, to their website. Um, so I understand Sitecore. And then there was some subcontracting. And now I've completely switched where I've got a few maintenance clients. And now I've gotten I, I, I'm more involved with customers who have purchased Sitecore. They've got developers on staff. Um, so they're not farming out the work to a large implementer. And, but they need, you know, they need someone that's kind of got architectural level knowledge of the product, can help their developers get up to speed, be on call to answer questions. And so I, I think the conversation you were alluding to earlier was one where, you know, I've, I've moved more and more towards kind of doing retainer style work where it's, a, you know, it's an agreement. You can sign up for a number of months. It's got a monthly, you know, it's a price per month of you can, you can access, act, you can access me, you know, via email, phone, some, some I have, uh, uh, I'm in their corporate Slack, you know, you can get a hold of me then I'll return that message within a, you know, say a 24 hour period, oftentimes a lot, a lot faster than that. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that, that has tended to work well for several, several companies that I work with. So that's an awesome overview. I want to circle back to various points along the way and, and, pull out some more detail that's interesting to me. Sure. How long did it take you to feel like you had some sort of mastery of Sitecore that you, as you were learning, working for agencies and so forth? Yeah. I, you know what? I, I wish I could quantify it. I, I can tell you the time that I did. Um, I ended up talking to somebody at Sitecore support or they might've been their support organization or their professional services. Um, we had hired, I think he was with professional services at the time. And this, you know, in, in the kind of the, the ecosystem of, of, of Sitecore, he was, you know, he, he's like one of those legends or something. And I'm, I can't, I'm trying to, trying to liken it to someone else of like, you know, if you're in web design or something like it would be somebody like a Jeffrey Zeldman or something like that, where okay. it's like, this person knows, knows this domain of knowledge in and out. And I remember having a conversation with him trying to explain the, the problem we were solving and the, and the approaches I've taken. And I felt like I could, you know, I was talking that guy's language 
And then he was talking his language back to me and I knew it, you know, then mm-hmm. it was like, okay, I, I'm all, you know, it was, it was one of those, I'm like, okay, I do understand this platform. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not faking it anymore. I actually do know this, this, what, what's going on. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So you, you felt like you were, you had sort of become a peer of someone that you respected a lot and the community respected a lot. And you, you saw yourself as, at least technically as equals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And I would say, I mean, that probably took, it took me probably a good, I would say, you know, I had a strong .NET base um, behind mm-hmm. behind that. So it wasn't, you know, I, it, I wasn't, you know, if I were to go and I, I don't know, there, I know there's got to be CMSs based on something like, like Rails or on, or, or on Django or something like that, where I, I think I would have, you know, I would have a huge learning curve of picking up something like Ruby or Python. Whereas like I knew C Sharp backwards and forwards. I, you know, and I used to joke with recruiters, they'd be like, how many years of .NET experience do you have? And I'm like, I have all of them. And like, I worked, <laughs> I, I, I've been working with the platform since, since it was in beta. So um, that wasn't so much, it was the kind of the domain knowledge of the product itself. And I think historically I've always been, uh, it is one of those, as you grow older, you realize what you're good at. And I, I was always, I was always good at figuring things out, how it works. I remember early in my career, I worked with a, a, a billing system. I can't remember what platform it was. I knew it had an Oracle backend, but by the end of it, like I knew when somebody entered something on this screen, it ends up in this table and all the tables had weird names like MDS, RR tab. And, you know, they were all, none of them had any intuitive names at all, but I had done enough kind of digging through the guts of the system that I finally understood it. And that was kind of how I felt with Sitecore. Interesting. So um, how did you move into architectural work? Did you have, like, was that something where you said, I think I can do this, give me the opportunity, I'll do it, or did it, did it unfold some other way? Yeah, I think it was just kind of a, hey, we needed, you know, the, the task, one of the first tasks I remember working on was we were implementing uh, we were implementing search on this site and they were actually using an, uh, a separate product from Sitecore uh, to do the indexing. And it was mainly because the site we were implementing had uh, had to, it had to handle, I can't remember how many languages it was. It was, it was probably close to two, it was probably close to two dozen languages. Mm. Um, and it included um, kind of, um, you know, Chinese, Japanese Korean characters as well as Cyrillic characters and the native indexing system in Sitecore just doesn't handle non-Western character sets all that well. So they had, they had bought this product um, that did that and nobody knew anything about it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, A, you got to figure this out and got to B, figure out where is this going to fit in architecturally. And so that it, it kind of was just like it, the, the, it was thrown into the fire, so to speak. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like uh, me holding my hand up of like, hey, I'd like to do some architecture now. It was just, we only had so many people on the team and everybody just kind of had to step up and get it done. I see. So when you're um, speaking with a prospective client, what kind of, do you see them kind of flip at some point from questioning whether you can really do it to really trusting you? Do you see some kind of transition like that in the conversation? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I I, I do, um, and I, I know the follow up is is how. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, what does that look yeah, like? Or? Yeah, and I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of what it is. I think a lot of it is just it, it comes with. Um, I think having confidence in knowing what you're doing, and I think that's that 
you know, for somebody else listening out there, that could be hard, um, especially mm-hmm. you know, everybody's, everybody's always got that kind of imposter syndrome kind of nagging in the back of their head. Yeah. And it's, um, uh, you know, I, I maybe, I don't know, maybe it comes with, with time that that goes away. It's still there. Um, but it, it, you know, confidence begins confidence and, you know, pretty soon you're, you know, if you, if you believe in what you're saying that, that comes through, I think in, in the, in the client conversation. Do you think you could, uh, I mean, I'm going to ask this in a funny way, but it's a serious question. Do you think you could fake that or does the confidence for you come from the fact that you've really been around the block a couple of times with Sitecore? Well, there's two, there's two things. I think you can fake it, but it's, it's pretty easy to tell when somebody is, uh-huh. um, especially if you have somebody that's a, a bit more savvy than you. Um, and I think the other part that I, I, at least I personally do is, you know, a customer asks like, Hey, does, does Sitecore do this? Or can it do X, Y, and Z? And if I don't know the answer, I'm not shy about saying like, you know what? I don't know. Like I've heard that it might be able to do that, but I've never done an implementation like that, or I've never worked with that portion of the system. I'm, I guess I'm not shy to, to, to kind of be vulnerable of like, no, I don't know everything, but I'm, I'm really good at figuring it out. I think that there's a lot of perceptions. It sounds like most of your clients are, you know, Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 type companies. Is that oh. about right? Yeah, I, yeah, I would. That's probably a fair assumption. Okay, there's, I think, a real perception among people who haven't worked with those types of companies that, you know, you've got to be some kind of super person to, to, you know, to get work with those companies. Have you found that to be true, or is it? Are they just kind of normal people or well, what's it like? Yeah, that's the interesting thing is, you know, like you, you think of these iconic brands um, and I've never been shy about approaching people like that. I, I, at a conference, um, you know, I w- walked right up to, uh, you know, was the head marketer for um, a large fast food chain uh, in, here in the U.S. And it was just like, hey, how did you guys go about doing this? And, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, they're, they're just normal people. You know, so there, that's never been, you know, there, there's never been, you know, hesitation on that side. And I, I, again, it's like, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that confidence and having that confidence to be able to talk about that is definitely, you know, is definitely helpful. I yeah. think, you know, if you're dealing with fortune, you know, there, there are certainly, you know, clients running Sitecore that will look at it and look at my organization um, you know, in my business and be like, you know, we don't want to work with him because it's, it's a single person or, you know, I do have subcontractors that work for me from time to time, but sure. they're like, it's a small organization. You know, what if, what, a, you know, heaven forbid Derek gets hit by a bus or right, right. The, the, the less morbid one I heard once was like, what if Derek wins the lottery? <laughs> Which is like, eh, it's a little better than getting hit by a bus, I, at least for me. And, um, you know, and the, so there are, you know, organizations that are like, we don't want to work with someone like that because, you know, because of that risk, um, you know, these larger organizations are risk adverse, but in the, in the same sense, I, I think, you know, they're, they're not much different than working with smaller, you know, smaller organizations. It, it, it's just a person usually. And uh, again, I think, you know, I, I, if I had to say anything, I, I'm, I'm selling the confidence that, you know, you're trying to figure out Sitecore. I know it. And if I don't know that part, I know how to figure it out. Or I may know someone that knows it and be able to get you that information. Hmm. You have buyers who are seeking something other than that small ag- or that large agency with a deep bench. Um, what leads them to do that, to, to want somebody small and I guess nimble and 
You know? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question. And I guess it, it is something I honestly struggle with because I think I, I mean, to, to date, I've done almost zero marketing of my organization, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's, it's one of those where I kind of, I kind of backed into, you know, like seeing that there was a huge market need for this out there. Um, I had people just kind of, you know, I was doing subcontracting work. I wasn't, you know, like I was deliberately like, I got to get rid of all this subcontracting work. I just, stuff came through the woodwork of like, Hey, we need, we need someone. Can you handle, you know, 30 hours a month of maintenance work? I'm like, you know what? I can fit that in. Mm -hmm. And you know, you get two or three of those together. And then one of those is like, Hey, you've done so much great work with this, this maintenance. We we'd love to redesign the site. And here is, you know, four months worth of work as opposed to, you know, 30 hours a month. Right. And you know, you get a couple of those and it's like, now it's like, Hey, this, this, this business is real. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think a lot of them are, you know, it's, I, I, I don't like saying that it's on price, but I'm definitely a lot cheaper than going to a huge organization like an Avenade, um, you know, that, that's going to charge, you know, upwards of 190 to 250 bucks an hour, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they're like, you know, what, or a lot of times, you know, it, it started out with clients where it's like, we don't have a, a need for this huge project team. We just need someone who can pick up the phone and ask a couple of questions. Mm. Um, and then, you know, showing value on that over time. And, you know, I've, I have one, one customer that's been in place for almost two and a half years now. And that's exactly what I'm there for is, hey, you know, we're thinking, well, we're doing another site. Can we ask you some questions? And that's, that's kind of what, what's coming at. What have you noticed about the buying cycle in these larger organizations? It's, how, long, how long does it take for a process? Man, I would say the last, I had one client that I knew, um, it is a brand I really respected. Um, I really wanted to work with them and I knew they had a need for Sitecore. I knew they were really struggling with it. And they, I mean, I, that one took almost nine months to close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say it, it, runs the gamut, but it's definitely measured in months, not days. Um, and it's, um, you know, it can take, it can take quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, that one was like nine months and you know, there was like in hindsight talking to them, they took that long because they had a lot of different organizational shakeups. Um, you know, the, 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 the team that oversaw the website was moved out of it into marketing and now marketing had developers working for them. So there's a lot of management changes and stuff like that. But I would say it's a good three month cycle easily. How many meetings do you need to have with different people at, at a client over the course of, of, of trying to close a sale? Yeah, I would say it's not, I don't know. I consider myself lucky because it's not a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of times it's, it's a call. Um, maybe a follow-up call, making sure that there are, you know, if it's, if it's marketing, bringing in a a technology resource, you know, allaying some fears with IT that, you know, I I know what I'm doing. I'm not just, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to come in and mess up all their systems. Um, let's say two or three, Uh not, not any more than that. Okay. That sounds remarkably not bad to me, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, kind of yeah. on the easy side of things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. So, um, you said you don't market yourself at all and that 
sometimes that means people have a really narrow view of marketing. Do you really not do anything to promote your services or make new people aware of them or ask for referrals or anything like that? Yeah, I guess when I say that, I don't do any explicit kind of outbound marketing right okay. now. So okay. like you know, a lot of the circles, I think you and I, you know, at least I, I follow I follow you from a standpoint of you know, kind of a lot of the, the, the broader um industry of folks kind of targeted at freelancers and uh-huh. I'm not doing any explicit uh, uh, outbound marketing. I don't have an email list I'm marketing to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely something I've thought of is, but it's just been, I've had enough work where I can barely fit that in. Yeah. So sure. it's, but I, you know, in terms of kind of outbound reach and like I do, I, you know, I run, I run a local meetup um, that um, is targeted at both developers and marketers that, that specialize on the platform. Mm-hmm coordinate that with a couple other, uh, you know, psychor professionals in the area. Um, I do attend conferences. I, you know, I do, uh, you know, I, I've presented, um, I haven't presented at a conference. There has been a couple virtual conferences that people have put on okay. and I've presented at those. Um, I've submitted papers to conferences um, so far. haven't, you know, it, one of the things I, I, I like doing is, is I, I love public speaking. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely one of those introverted people, but it's, it's something so, somewhere along the way that, that nervous energy you get before getting in front of a crowd actually, you know, and I've, I've read about this before too, is it, it turns, you know, people that end up liking public speaking, don't, they still have that nervous energy. They just turn it into excitement uh-huh. and, and not fear. But I, you know, I do that and I do, you know, I, 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 probably about a year ago, I, I did start my own podcast focused, um, you know, the, the original goal of it was to, to have it be kind of a lead gen uh, magnet for folks in, in, in Sitecore. And quickly, what it, it kind of devolved into is more of just being present in the community. It, you know, the, the, the target audience for the, for the podcast did, basically didn't end up becoming the, you know, the, the, the person that would buy my services. It's more kind of sharing with the community and being out there um, of kind of, you know, Sitecore and folks in the Sitecore community will, will talk about it. It's got a very tight knit community of, of, of developers that, you know, you know, could easily say, you know, you work for the competitor, but everybody's kind of, it's, it's, there's more sharing going on than I've seen in, in open source projects mm-hmm. in terms of like everybody helping each other out. So it, quickly, my podcast kind of turned into more of giving back to that organization of just trying to, you know, shed a light on work that other people are doing. Um, and it, it, it so it, it, you know, it, my goal originally was to start it kind of as a lead gen thing, but it, it quickly devolved into just kind of, disseminating knowledge out or maybe evolved <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah i understand probably. what you're saying a different it, it serves a different function now than when you started it yep. so um okay so that's interesting so you, you're active in the community but you're not doing a lot of the things that people think of as marketing activities in other words you, you have a presence but it's it's not like um sort of a mercenary sense of like i'm going to go out there and get a bunch of leads and that kind of thing Right, right. Okay. So this is a question that I would not like to be asked, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, what would you do if Sitecore, if demand for Sitecore just tanked suddenly? You know, I, I think about that a lot, actually, because it's one of those that, 
um, I, I've talked to several people that are also kind of specialized in Cycorn. It's like one of those that like, when is this wave going to crest? Right. Is this, you know, cause it's, um, you know, bef- you, before you and I started recording, I was telling you, this is kind of, I know it's one of those, or it's a, it's a skill set That's one of those, like you could liken it to being an iOS developer, say, I don't know, like six or eight years ago when yeah. the app store opened out and like y- you, people couldn't find iOS developers fast enough. Yeah. And I, I feel like Sitecore has been like that for a good five years now. Um, and, you know, myself being someone with, you know, I can say I've, I've worked on this platform for eight years. It's been everything that I've done. You know, if I fast forward, say five years, the difference between somebody that's got five years of experience and, and now like 10 years of experience, it's, in the, that, that delta is not as much. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it's definitely something I've thought of. I think, you know, having read your material, I think I would, I, I would definitely look at moving out of a horizontal specification moving out of a horizontal specialization yeah. into more of a vertical specialization of, of trying to find some vertical industry. Um, you know, one that I hopefully have a little bit of knowledge of and mm-hmm. try and, and, and try and go that route. I, I definitely, um, you know, I, I, I definitely see the, 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 the benefits of, of that specialization. It's, you know, and I've seen it from other folks that have done that just in, in the different Slack teams I'm in where people say, you know, I, I focus on yoga studios and, you know, somebody else that we both know, Jonathan Stark, will talk about these Rolodex moments that people have like, oh, you do yoga. You know what? My, my sister-in-law owns a, a yoga studio and I definitely believe in that. So I think you know, Psychor goes away. I think I would probably try and shift more into some sort of vertical specialization. What, it, what that specialization is, I, you know, I don't know, but it's definitely been in the back of my mind. Gotcha. Yeah, I was, I was curious how you would approach making that decision. I mean, I hope that never happens. I hope that you're able to, you know, just ride this Sitecore wave for as long as you care to. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I was curious how you would approach that decision. Uh, are, are there... So let me shift into sort of acting like a specialization consultant here Mm -hmm. Uh, because I'm just curious, are there verticals where Sitecore is maybe overrepresented in that vertical or the type of experience that you've gained working with Sitecore is particularly valuable in that vertical? Like you mentioned L'Oreal is cosmetics one of those verticals or yeah, the one that I do see, you know, as I kind of see where, where Sitecore do kind of, Hey, you know, here's that they do a year, they do a site of the year award every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I look at, you know, just talking to people of like, Hey, you know, who, who, whose site are you working on these days? And it's kind of, you know, says it in confidence, but I would say it seems that a lot of kind of health organizations have specialized on it. So, uh-huh. You know, I, I've I've personally done work with a with a number of different hospitals, um, both locally and um, and I know I've talked to other folks where there seems to be a lot of kind of hospital organizations that are standard standardizing on uh, standardizing it on on it as a platform. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, healthcare is one. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Um, that's the only one that kind of comes to mind offhand. I do know it's very popular in the ski resort industry. So I know another big brand that uses it is Vail. Um, they're kind of the 800 pound mm-hmm. gorilla in that industry, but mm-hmm. you know, there are other places like winter park and Aspen Snowmass, and they're all, um, they're all using Sitecore for their sites. So that's, a, you know, probably another vertical, um, those are the only two that kind of come to mind. 
So earlier you, you identified some of the, uh, the strengths of Sitecore that overlap with business needs, things like um, content personalization on the website. You can look at that from a technical perspective and you can look at it from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. So if you frame that as what's the business benefit of um, you know, content personalization that integrates with your point of sale system and you know, incorporates all this data, what business benefit does that produce? Is it really just kind of more revenue per per customer or more uh, revenue per site visitor? How does the business side think about it? I think it, it, it drives conversion. And I think talking with a lot of folks, um, uh, oftentimes it, it's steering people through what, what exactly is conversion then mm-hmm. and, you know, on an e-commerce site, you know, I, I liken it to on an e-commerce site, conversion is really easy. Somebody viewed the receipt page mm-hmm. and then, you know, you can pull the order total off of that page and said, you know, whatever, whatever actions we did on the website drove someone to buy X amount of, you know, dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are, are, are a little bit more difficult. And it's, it's, it's honestly a journey I end up having with a, a lot of folks of they they're like, we need a website, you know, and we need we want to have the, the, you know, the most bells and whistles. But when you, when you ask that question of like, what do you want your visitors to actually do? Um, you know, a lot of times maybe it's just, they want them to download a white paper or they want them to browse product information, or they want them to request a quote on a, you know, say on an insurance policy, or they want them to, you know, schedule a demo for some software or, you know, in the case of like a, a ski resort, they want them to book a, you know, book a lift ticket. Maybe that lift ticket system isn't on Sitecore. It's maybe it's another system, but now we we've triggered something that said, yeah, they've actually done what we want them to do on the website. So if we kind of abstract away the site core specific elements of that, it, it sounds like you're, um, the, you know, the business facing value of your skill is, is really relevant to the marketing organization within, mm-hmm. you know, and it has a lot to do with conversion rate optimization or taking data across a gazillion channels and, making sense of it, you know, something around business intelligence or CRO, right? Yep. Yep. Definitely. Okay. okay. Interesting. I, I just, I do that. Like I, I kind of wanted to do that live for the benefit of the folks at home who are listening to this so they can maybe start to think, Oh, there's, there's two ways to look at what I do. There's the technical skills, there's the platform I work with, and then there's the business value. And sometimes when you, I think you're making that transition, hopefully again, you'll never have to, <laughs> Or right. at least if you do it, it'll be on your own timing and not in a reactionary way. But I think that's part of that process is saying, okay, what are the skills that I have that have real value? And, and then what's the vertical I can find where those skills are in, in demand? Well, and definitely being able to do that. I mean, like, like you said, it's a lot of that is just even that thinking of, of pushing someone through that thought process of, uh, yeah, I, I remember I worked, this was not on Sitecar, but I worked with a furniture store once they, you know, they wanted to update their website. They wanted to redesign and, you know, and, and I was trying to just even from a, from a very simple SEO standpoint, think of like, you're going to want, you know, copy on this page. It's, you know, that somebody's looking for a couch and they, they stopped me right there. And so we don't sell couches. We sell sofas. I'm like, your customers are going to come here buying a couch. 
And it was that, that, that you know, that if, if you've done anything in kind of user experience or user-centric design, like that's, you know, like, yes, that, that makes sense. But like to this business owner, like it, you could literally see something, you know, just, a you know, some gear turn 180 degrees, like, oh my gosh, I get it now. Like, yeah, it's not about like, I'm going to educate you why we don't call them couches, we call them sofas of like, no, I'm just going to tell you, we have things that you might call a couch and you can buy them here and here's this nice selection of them. And then we'll educate you when we get in the store. But it was, so that, that being able to do that, uh, I, I think is, is very platform independent. You could, you could move that into a, a vertical skill set quite easily yeah. able to break that down. But I, you know, like I said, it's, you know, walking a lot of these markers through like, okay, what are the actual goals of your website? Um, that's, um, you know, there's, there's value in, in that no matter if you're, if you're on WordPress or if you're on Umbraco or, or you're on a, a, a Adobe experience manager. It sounds embarrassingly simple when you, when you phrase it that way, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, the devil's in the details of one. So like, okay, great. This is what we want them to do. Now, how do we do that? And then that's, that's where the, you know, that's where the fun begins. But yeah. even the, you know, there, there's value in, in, in doing that exercise. Cause I don't know if a lot of marketers think through that. They get so, so embroiled in all the marketing technology stuff of like, yeah, then we're going to have these, these contact forms that automatically post to Salesforce. And then we're going to, you know, and it's like, okay, what are you going to, actually do with that data once you have it. So Derek, if you could go back to 2014 or whenever you started this journey towards self-employment, what would you tell yourself to make the process easier or faster or just better? Yeah, I, I, I think about that. And, you know, I hear that question quite a bit. Uh, yeah. and it's an excellent interview question. I think, you know, a lot of what I've learned where I've gotten from today is, you know, is unfortunately due to, you know, I can't say I've made any bad decisions, but I would say, you know, probably the thing would be you believe in yourself. You got this, you know what you're doing and people value you, the work you're, that you're doing. Um, and, you know, believe in yourself. It's the, the, I'll go back to what I said before is, you know, confidence begets confidence that if, you know, like I know this stuff, I can help you. And I will definitely be truthful with you if I can't, um, you know, being, I, I guess I would just reinforce that and mm -hmm. try and get myself to learn that earlier. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk about where you've come from and where you are today. Yeah. Um, if, if folks want to get in touch with you or find out more, uh, where would you direct them? Yeah, I would say probably, you know, you can find me on Twitter. It's D Dysart. So it's D D Y S A R T. Uh, my corporate website is DJ Dysart. So DJ D Y S A R T.com. And you'll quickly see that I'm not doing any marketing there. Um, that's still, I think, watch this space for updates, but um, <laughs> no, I it definitely kind of wrapped up a bunch of projects last year. And I'm, as I'm trying to move more and more away from kind of the maintenance work into doing kind of more advisory consulting type work, um, trying to put together some sort of offering to have there. Um, but yeah, Twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Derek, and definitely if, if somebody's, you know, if, if you're out there listening to this and, and definitely kind of struggling or trying to think of, you know, could we do this? I, I, I'm more than willing to chat with you. So, you know, hit me up on Twitter. Really appreciate that, Derek. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, thank you.